we're back again. Back at it. Sober this time. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> My body. I know. It's too old to be playing games That like was that. crazy. <laughs> oh we were God. so <laughs> messed up. That bingo game. <laughs> it was crazy. Hey, everybody. I'm Latara. I'm Laura. And this is Passions, Passions Podcast. Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you for listening. Staying with us all the way up through episode 30 of our podcast. I know. I can't believe Amazing. It. So thank you to our listeners. Uh, this episode, we're doing 51 and 52, so we're back yes. to our normal format. Yes. And 51 was so fun. This, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. This episode had everything in it. I got chills. I got teary-eyed. Like, I was, it was crazy. It was so good. Oh, it so And it covered, good. like, all of our favorite people. Thoroughly. Yeah. I got so much Teresa. I we, we got a lot of Teresa. I got so much crazy. I got so much like peak Teresa. Yeah. You know, I I loved it. She's such a mess. What a <laughs> mess of a girl she is. So let's get into it. All right. So episode 51 starts with Teresa and Whitney who have escaped the movie theater. Right. Narrowly again. The theater. The, and Teresa is all moony eyed. Like she's. All in the clouds, she's floating on air because Ethan kissed her hand, even though he didn't know it was her. And she's saying that she and Ethan are meant to be, you know, like standard fare for Teresa. Mm -hmm. She and Ethan are meant to be. And Whitney, Whitney's not even mad anymore. She's just disappointed. Yeah. (laughs) She She doesn't have the energy to be angry about it. She, all she can do is just kind of fall back on the same old, Teresa, what are you going to do here? You know, Ethan's not interested. Ethan wants to be with Gwen. Like, she she just doesn't have the energy to be irritated or angry. She's just disappointed. What can I say to get this through your thick skull? She's just disappointed in her. And it shows. <laughs> but as they're walking, so they're, they're in, like, the town square, I guess. Or, I don't know. They're outside. They're out somewhere. And... Teresa notices a new restaurant called the Chicken Coop. Again, every restaurant in this town is just like, this is what we serve. This is the kind of building. Here's a structure (laughs) name. Chicken Coop. Burger Hut. Which is where, the Chicken Coop is where the Burger Hut used to be, is what we are told. After Teresa burned it down. (laughs) And she's like, oh, no wonder this place looks so familiar. Yeah, you burned it down. Also, the town's small. So wouldn't you remember that, oh, the bur- the Burger Hut used to be right here? Like, would you have to ask that? Teresa's been busy. She, <sighs> She's been busy. She's so, she has been busy. And it's all, but this is another thing, actually, about the time in this show. Because it's only been a week since she burned down the Burger Hut. Right. We're in, in truth, if we're really talking about, like, how many days it's been on this show, because the... It's been like seven days. Yeah. Even though they're trying to play us and make it seem like it's been weeks, it's only been a few days. Right. It has only been a few, because everything goes in like a very clear order. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we've skipped ahead a few days. It's not like we leave one episode in one day and open up in like three days later. We never do that. No, we everything always, is sequential. Yeah. We always pick up right where we left off. So it's only been like seven days. Right. And somehow... 
The Burger Hut has been fixed all the way up and is a whole new restaurant. The Chicken Coop. The Chicken Coop. What do they sell there? Chicken. chicken. <laughs> Give you two guesses. Chicken. So the girls are standing outside of the chicken coop when Teresa glances inside and sees that Ethan and Gwen are in there getting some food. And Teresa's like, I should go inside and explain myself. Nope. And Whitney's like, what are you doing? And is she's also worried that Lomax is on their heels. And is like, if you go in there, A, you're going to make an ass of yourself. And B, Lomax is for sure going to catch you. Right. Like, what are you doing? And Teresa starts teasing Whitney about Frank fucking Lomax. Oh, there's no way he would arrest his girlfriend. Yeah, she's teasing her about it. And Teresa also says, oh, when Ethan, once I tell Ethan, he'll he'll forgive me. I know he will. Just like Frank Lomax will forgive you for lying. It's like, no, girl. Yeah. You, uh, no. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, oh, Oh, my God. This was so stupid. So then she tells Whitney, she's like, he kissed my hand. And Whitney's like, he didn't know it was you. He thought it was Gwen's. (laughs) And Teresa says that he must have subconsciously wanted to kiss her hand because a man knows every inch of his lover's body. And somehow he knew that that wasn't Gwen. What? What, girl? What, when, where, how, what, who? I mean, look, I think Teresa is a lovable lunatic, but she kind of has a point. Hear me out. Okay. Because he was sitting in that movie theater watching a movie with his eyes closed and not, and like intentionally not looking at Teresa. You know what I mean? Like, okay. I don't know. It, the whole thing is so suspicious. Now, do I think that a man knows every inch of his lover's body? No, not really. You know what I mean? Like, I, But I do think subconsciously, Ethan is very interested in a person who is not Gwen. Oh, yeah. No, subconsciously, he definitely is very obvious yeah. that he's like in love with Teresa, even though he doesn't even know, you know. Right. But, no. In the movie theater, he thought he was sitting next to Gwen, even though he wasn't. But when he could very easily open his eyes... But he didn't. But he, but that's the point. He didn't because he didn't want to know the truth. Uh, it's flimsy at best. It's flimsy at best, <laughs> but I kind of get it. It's flimsy at best. But Whitney tries to reason with Teresa as she does. That's just her role in this show, reasoning right. with Teresa. So Whitney tries to reason with Teresa... But Teresa continues to say Ethan doesn't belong with Gwen and that she and Ethan are meant to be just like Scarlett and Rhett, who do not end up together. They're not meant to be together. They're absolutely not meant to be together because they don't end up together. If they were meant to be together in that movie, they would have ended up together. Yeah, Scarlett's not meant to be with anyone but herself because she is an awful person. Yeah. She eventually, like, discovers her own strength and her own ability to take care of herself, which is, like, I guess the point. But it's not a love story. She's not someone that you should be rooting for. Yeah. So, so that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, Whitney finally is like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm going to just force you to go with me. And then does this thing that I hated. She says, I'm going to go get a cab. You stay right here. Don't go anywhere. Just make her come, just say, let's go get a cab. Yeah. Why would you, and I know it was just to get to, let Teresa be left to her own devices. Right. Like, it was just a, a way to get Whitney out of the way so Teresa could do something stupid. Mm-hmm. But, 
is so it's so flimsy it's so dumb also they have walked everywhere in this town right they're walking everywhere all the time just walk home walk back to wherever like i don't know maybe because it's dark maybe because it's late harmony is like four square blocks yeah you know like you can walk yeah, I don't. It'll I don't take know. you ten minutes. Or I, whatever. Uh, yeah, but they've been walking everywhere. They not not once have they talked about a cab, except when Charity was trying to get back home, and she ended yeah. up in Tabitha's cab to a different town, though. Yeah, yeah that's the only time. Whatever. So Whitney leaves to go find a cab, and while this has all been going on, they've been showing us footage when the girls look into the chicken coop <laughs> to see what Gwen and Ethan are up to. And in the background, you can kind of see servers and the uniform that they have to wear. Oof. I will be posting pictures. I, it is shocking. <laughs> it's the pinnacle. It's unnerving. <laughs> <laughs> it's human beings walking around in full-on chicken costumes. Yeah, like a chicken mask. It was, oh my God, it was <laughs> so creepy. It's, I wouldn't want to eat there. No. I don't want to eat this. It's scary. I wouldn't want to work there. You can't make your employee. They're dressed like Disney World employees impersonating, like, I don't, Elmo. I don't yeah. know. Like, this Elmo wouldn't be <laughs> crossing, Disney. We're crossing universes here. <laughs> impersonating Mickey Mouse. Like, they have on, like, a headpiece. Yeah. Wings. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, it is utterly ridiculous. So... When Whitney goes off to find a cab, Teresa's kind of standing near the alley and can see the back entrance to the chicken coop and sees a, a, a worker in their uniform open the door to take off their hat to get a little bit of air. Obviously, she's going to sneak into the chicken coop, dress like a server, and go talk to Ethan. Gosh, she's such a mess. She's such a lunatic. Yeah. So Whitney returns from looking for the cab and says, oh, I can't find a cab anywhere because it's like a town with, I, I can't imagine there's a big market for cabs in this town, this walkable town. Right. Anyway. So she says, oh, I can't find a cab anywhere. But Teresa is nowhere to be found. Teresa's gone. Like she's like, where the hell did Teresa go now? <laughs> I told her not to go anywhere. I've only been going for like a minute. Where did she go? And so while she's standing there kind of looking for Teresa, Frank Lomax walks up behind her and, like, caresses her shoulder. Oh, it was so gross. And then she turns around and sees it's him. And she's, you know, shocked by it and also nervous because she knows Teresa's around here somewhere. (laughs) We're back. We're in the same situation we were in at the book cafe on pizza night. Right. Oh, that was earlier tonight. Yeah, it's the same night. <laughs> it's the same night. We're in the same situation we've been in for seven days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what does Frank say to Whitney? I didn't get much of it because I just hate it so much and I start seeing red. But basically, he asked Whitney what she was up to. She tried to make up a story about how there's a stray cat and she's lingering because she wants to feed it. And... Whatever. Frank knows that it's not really true, but he also doesn't really care because he has a thing for a teenage girl and invites her to join him for coffee. He's like, you know, because she asks him, oh, are you are you on a case? And he's like, well, right now I'm just trying to get a little coffee break. You you know, I'm always on a case, but right now I need a I need a little pick me up. And he's like, why don't you come get a cup of joe with me? And we can talk about the tennis stuff that you promised. Tennis lessons, because he was like, you promised me tennis lessons. Oh, yeah. And Whitney said... Word for word. I didn't promise you a thing. And Frank said, word for word, well, you didn't exactly say no, did you? (laughs) Oh, 
cringe. This is grooming. I was cringing so hard. It's disgusting. Oh, so no. Whitney agrees to get coffee because she's being pressured into it by a grown man and doesn't know how to get out of it. She tried. Didn't work. So she agrees to get coffee. I thought they were going to go to like the book cafe or a coffee shop or something. They go to the chicken coop. They go into the chicken coop to get coffee. So mm-hmm. apparently the chicken coop serves coffee and chicken. Both of these things. Yeah. I guess most places serve coffee. I just I don't think, know. I just if I'm gonna if I'm specifically getting coffee, I wouldn't go to the chicken coop. Exactly. If I'm getting chicken and I might say, Oh, I could go for a coffee, I'll get some coffee with my chicken. Exactly. So it just seems strange he's, that Yeah. He's obviously tailing them and he sees Whitney alone and he sees it as a moment that he can go in. Yeah. And swoop Although, in on her. If he had been tailing them, he would have seen Teresa. Oh, you're right, you're right. I do I think this was not. kind of a a coinkadink. A coinkydink? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So they go into the chicken coop and Ethan sees Frank with Whitney and he stops Frank and says, Frank, what's, what are you doing? And he just wants to make sure that Frank's not giving Whitney a hard time, you know? Mm. And so then they sit down to eat or whatever and Gwen and Ethan start to talk about him. Yeah, so they've been having a conversation about the woman in the movie theater and do, like, how, whatever. So, who cares, really, what they're talking about? Um, But Ethan does point out to Gwen, he's like, you know what, this used to be the Burger Hut. That's why this place kind of seems familiar. Yeah. You know, so they're talking about that, and they're talking about their relationship and all this other stuff. They see Frank come in. So Ethan then is, once he realizes that the chicken coop used to be the burger hut, he's like, oh my God, the stalker attacked me here one time. She could be lurking, like maybe she'll come and attack me again. So they argue a little bit about whether or not it's safe to stay. They, Gwen kind of talks him into staying, even though Ethan's a little bit nervous about it. And then they order food. No, I thought it was the other 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 way way around. around? Oh, okay. Ethan wanted to stay, but Gwen was like, no, we should leave. She was worried about, she was worried about him having like memories of the stalker and maybe she can come back to bother him. Okay. Yeah. And he convinced her to stay. Okay, good. Because I just said they argued about it and then decided to stay. So I, I assigned it to the wrong person. Yeah. And then after they decided to stay, that's when Frank and, um... Whitney come in. That's when Frank and Whitney come in. That conversation. I do want to talk about when they ordered food, Ethan's like, oh, let's get two chicken specials or whatever. He's like, and an extra side of slaw. And he said it's so weird. Well, when when the waitress came up to order or get their orders, he said, what do you recommend? Like, what do you recommend? And the waitress was like, I'll give you two guesses. And he was like, chicken it is. It's like, chicken what? Yeah, what kind of chicken? What kind of chicken? Chicken, are we doing legs, thighs, two piece and a biscuit? Like, what kind yeah. of chicken? Is it fried? Is it grilled? Sandwich, ch- nuggets. Chi- exactly. Chicken parmesan? Is it like a whole, are we? What are we doing? What are we doing? And then she, he goes, all right, what you said, two, two chicken specials and <laughs> extra slaw. I just didn't understand the purpose of it, I guess. Slaw. Slaw. Like, was it? Was he trying to sound I guess, southern? I think so. I guess maybe they're trying to do like a Kentucky Fried Chicken kind of thing. I guess. I but don't know. Is coleslaw like a southern thing? Doesn't yeah. Everybody coleslaw, is a, coleslaw is like a southern thing. Have you seen coleslaw here? Think oh, about it. I guess not. I've tried to buy like ready-made coleslaw and you can't find it. That's true. Yeah. 
I we we had it all the like everywhere when I was growing up. But you can I'm find not, it in the Midwest, but I'm not from the South, so I just assumed it was like I didn't realize it was a regional food. Yeah, yeah I, you we can't find slaw here, right? Huh. Like when you try to get a hot dog, you can't get a coleslaw on it. You can only get sauerkraut on it. Oh, that's true. And I like coleslaw and like hot dogs and certain other things, barbecue and different things. Honestly, yeah. I'm and a I can't find like ready-made slaw. I always have to make my own from like cabbage and carrots and yeah. shit. Yeah. I only like slaw on like a barbecue, like a pulled pork sandwich mm. or something like that. Oh, I love, I like coleslaw on a, on barbecue and pulled pork sandwich, on rib sandwich, mm-hmm. on like um, fish sandwiches mm, and on hot dogs. But I'm not a big fan of, like, just eating coleslaw yeah, no, as no. a side. As a side, I don't like it. A lot of people do, but I don't. No, me neither. Although, I will say, like, when it comes to my hot dogs, I'm, like, a purist. I only like mustard on my hot dog. Isn't that weird? That's okay. I don't like all the things on it. I, I think I don't really like hot dogs that much. Like, the actual sausage, the actual dog. Mm-hmm. So, I like to kind of build it up with other flavors, mm. fix it with, you know, balance it with some different flavors. So I'll do ketchup. It depends what kind of hot dog, if it's grilled. Mm. If it's grilled and it's, like, like burnt, I will get, I'll just do, like, ketchup and mustard and maybe a little relish. That's fire. But if I'm boiling hot dogs, like, boiled hot yeah, dogs, it's, like, you have to put some stuff on it. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I only grill chili, a hot Chili, I like dog. a little chili dog. I only grill a hot dog. I like it a little crispy. I like it with some mustard on it. The end. I don't know, but I'm a hillbilly, so I like hot dogs. <laughs> so let's. We've gone way, we've gone way off track, and that's okay. But let's keep talking about these people in this restaurant because some shit happens, and it's so hilarious. It sure does. Okay. So Frank Lomax and Whitney are sitting at a table, and Ethan and Gwen are sitting at a table, and. Teresa has snuck in the back and seen her friend or seen the employee who was in the chicken costume. And the employee says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're going to have to leave, Teresa. This is for the employees only. And she, Teresa's like, oh, do you know me? And the girl takes off her mask and she's like, and Teresa's like, oh, Molly, I didn't know you worked here. Blah, blah, blah. I need a favor. I'm trying to play a trick on a friend inside. And so then they switch clothes. (laughs) So. Teresa's in the back changing into this outfit, right? Out front, Ethan and Gwen are having a little conversation about, like, how much they love each other and all this bullshit. Mm -hmm. And Ethan tries to recite a poem to Gwen. (laughs) Um, He tries to to recite this poem to Gwen, but he can't remember it. Um, She Walks in Beauty by Lord Byron. That's the only part he can remember. Is the title. (laughs) She Walks in Beauty. And... He couldn't remember it. He's like, oh, it's my favorite poem. I can't believe I can't remember it right now. It so clearly describes my perfect woman. Yeah, my <laughs> ideal mate. Yeah. <laughs> and then Gwen gets up and she's like, oh, you know, I'm going to go to the bathroom really quickly, blah, blah, blah. So she goes to the bathroom. Then Ethan's like stuck in thought, sitting there like, what are the words to this poem? And Teresa comes out in her fucking chicken costume. <laughs> and he looks up at her and he goes, your eyes. What does he say? He says, your eyes. Now I remember. Now I remember. That's Now, what I, now remember. I remember. <laughs> and then he recites the entire poem to Teresa. And let's not forget, 
Teresa looks insane. Yeah. She is basically wearing a Mickey Mouse costume. Like, you can hardly see her eyes. Yeah, she's a ch- she's dressed as a chicken. And they look terrifying. And it was hilarious. I cracked up. It's <laughs> on the... Oh, we added... We started a Passions podcast TikTok <laughs> for some of these clips because they're so funny. I'm putting it on so I'm putting Instagram, it, too. I'm putting that clip up because... It's so good. We were... Di- I was dying because they tried to make it like a tender moment. So he's saying, reciting this beautiful poetry to her <laughs> and then it cuts to her in that chicken mask. <laughs> And it works. She's moved. She is moved. She's moved. She almost takes that mask off yeah. to reveal herself. He goes, there's just something so familiar about you. Every time he sees Teresa's eyes, he says the same thing. Even yeah. if he doesn't know who he's talking to, there's something so familiar about you. Those she eyes. starts to remove her mask. And Gwen. Thank God. Gwen comes back and Teresa cha- doesn't do it. And then Ethan says to Gwen, oh, the... The waitress must have inspired me. I remember the I remember the words to that poem and then he takes Gwen's hands and recites the poem to her. Oh lord. And that makes Teresa leave. Like she's like, oh, "Okay, this is it hurts her heart. It breaks her it hurts her feelings and breaks her heart a little bit." So yeah. she gets out of there. And then what yeah, happens? She runs to the back room. Whitney sees this happening, has put two and two together, I think, and she also, like, makes an excuse and gets up and leaves. Leaves. She goes out the front where Teresa goes out the back. Ethan also, at this point, has a realization that this woman who is serving us has got to be the stalker. Yeah. That, 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 there's something off. Like, my, my spidey senses are tingling. So he goes into the back room, rips the mask off of the who, girl, off the, the girl. Server. And Teresa and Molly have switched back into their costumes. So Teresa has made her escape. Molly has been unmasked by Ethan, who feels like an asshole, probably. And Whitney, thank God, has escaped from this predatory date. Yeah. So Gwen and Lomax kind of follow Ethan into the kitchen because Ethan rushed back there to get her. Yeah. And they follow him and see that it's not her. And... Gwen's like, see, this is why I wanted to leave because I thought this place would maybe bring up bad memories for you. It's just like, is it that serious? Oh, I guess it is. Yeah. I guess. But so, so that's everything that happens at the Burger Hut. Not the Burger Hut. <laughs> the restaurant formerly known as the Burger Hut. The Chicken Now coop. known as the Chicken Coop. I love that we have a new silly restaurant to remember. Oh, the Chicken Coop. The Chicken Coop. A mess. These costumes... These server uniforms just keep getting zanier and zanier. Yeah, so oh. let's talk about Tabitha, Tabitha and Father Lonigan. Father Lonigan are having like a duel in a way. So remember, Tabitha was driving to Castleton to go check on to make sure that she finished the job of killing Faith and Charity, right? Mm-hmm. And Father Lonigan has stepped in front of her car and has stopped her and is now throwing holy water on her. And she's yelling, help, I'm turning to ash, help. And so he's just like, the power of Christ compels you. The po-, You know what I mean? Oh, just yeah. like exercising this bitch. <laughs> and then he gets in front of her car and takes out like the a cross. A wooden cross. And do you know what he says? Uh, I, I didn't write it down, but it basically was the power of Christ compels you kind of shit. 
Meanwhile, Tabitha is like literally has like steam coming out of her her hair, smoke coming out of her ears. Timmy's crying, stop it, stop it. And Tabitha's like, our only hope is in the glove compartment. You've <laughs> got to get in the glove compartment. And they go through this ridiculous ruse where Timmy pulls out a bone. Is this it? No, it's not the bone. Timmy pulls out a jar of goo. Is this it? No, it's not the jar of goo. Tabitha's like, the fuh, the fuh, the fuh. Timmy's like, there's no fuh in here. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, Timmy. And she finally goes, the feathers. And so he pulls out a bundle of feathers. And so we have Tabitha in the car, clutching a bundle of feathers, casting her spell. Father Lonigan outside of the car with his wooden cross, casting his spell. And it is iconic. It is iconic. This moment. It's iconic because there's also like no special effects really outside of like the fi- the smoke yes. coming off of Tabitha. So it's just these two human people just yes. like yelling at each other with inanimate objects. Yes. Just like, is this working against you? It is amazing. It made me think of Dragon Ball Z where the character just stands and yells, ah, and you can't see. Oh, above, but they're powering up, girl. But they're powering up and you can see more effects. So if you if you take just a person standing there screaming with no special <laughs> effects, that's essentially what this is. Oh. It was hilarious. It, it was, wasn't supposed to be what it was. I, honestly, I think all of it's supposed to be hilarious. Yeah. I, it has to be. Like the chicken mask thing, that's not supposed to be tender. No. That, they had to know that was hilarious. That's so funny. You know? So then Father Lonigan says, you cannot win. And Tabitha finally, because I've been wondering why she didn't just drive away. Yeah. Why did she just she, run him over? Yeah. She's she evil. Finally, she finally, she set that man on fire. Yeah. She has no qualms about killing people. No. She finally throws her car into reverse and like hightails it back to her house. And what happens? They get back to the house, and Timmy <laughs> Timmy and Tabitha are still kind of smoking from the ears, you know. Timmy's like, I feel so nauseous, because apparently she drove in reverse all the way back to the house. Uh, Luis didn't <laughs> stop her? Like in Gone in 60 Seconds. You remember that, the, I that see stupid that. movie where Nicolas Cage like ends up driving in reverse for like a, a ridiculous amount of time, and that's essentially how he like saves the day. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Anyway, so Timmy and Tabitha get back to the house. They... Do some goofy stuff where Tabitha is like, I'm still on fire. I might still be flammable. Spray me with water. Yeah. Like a cat. Like, you know when a cat, like, jumps up on something yeah, and people, like, spray it, it to, yeah. you know, kind of try and teach it not to? I don't know. It's probably Yes, yeah, he sprays her down with a spray bottle. It's hilarious and ridiculous. In They're the so moment. silly. They're just, yeah, these two are just silly. Everything's so silly. So, to get into the meat of what happens... Timmy starts admonishing Tabitha and telling her, you know, you really screwed things up. Um, you almost went up in flames. We don't even know about charity and faith. And Tabitha's trying to be like, Timmy, shut the fuck up. Yeah, keep it down, buddy. Yeah, like be low, cool. Like low key, keep it on the DL. And she keeps trying to use her head to gesture towards the basement door. But Timmy is a doll and doesn't pick up on this. Yeah. And keeps going on, oh, you messed up big time. And Tabitha's like, Timmy, you don't want to upset our friends in the basement. Stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> and um, eventually Timmy, you know, gets the hint. And Tabitha's like, you know what? I better go check the rain bowl. Let's go see what's going on with Faith and Charity. I'm worried. Yeah, well, they go to the they go to the basement first, like stand by that door for a second. And because it's like making noise 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she's very worried. She's like, the punishment for failure will be swift. Mm. She says that. She's like, oh, I don't think they're happy, and the punishment for failure will be swift. Then she's like, let me just go check on them. You know, let's yeah. go to this bowl. So she goes to her little bowl, and she can't see anything. And the house lights are slowly flickering. Yeah, she can't see anything. And she says, my powers, they're gone. And then she passes out. And then green shit starts to come out of her mouth. Yeah. I, like, is that her magic power, like, leaving her? Yeah. I So I think, because she says, the punishment will be swift. Yeah. And then I think that's her punishment. Yeah. The oh, punishment okay. will be swift. And then she went there and was punished. Uh-huh. Right? Like, right? I think. She lost yeah. her power. Yeah, I assume that's the punishment. I just wasn't sure what the green stuff was. Yeah. Was that her power leaving her, or was that, like, a yeah, spell being so. cast on her that she was, like, inhaling? No, I think it was taking, I think it was coming out coming of her. Coming out, okay. I think it was coming out of her. So, yeah, that happened. Yeah. Tabitha's on the floor, and then Again. Fluffy gets out of the attic. Yeah, this stuff with Fluffy. We see it from Fluffy's perspective. So, yeah. like, we see Timmy... We see Timmy, and what does he do? He does a chant. Yeah, well, he does. You you never you never done that um, cheer like at football games. Push them back, push them back, way back. No, no. I've only been to like two football games in my entire so life. So there's like a, a cheer that goes push them back, push them back, way back. So that's what Timmy says to to the cat. Oh. It's, it's just a football thing. I didn't know what it was. Yeah, because it's like you're supposed to be pushing the offensive line back. Okay. Away from the goal. I went to like or the end zone. one or two football games maybe in high school and like I didn't care about it. My friends and I just kind of walked around and I left because I thought it was dumb. And then I went to conservatory for undergrad so we didn't have sports and then, you know. I I'm, just, eh. I'm from a football family. I have mm. been to too many football games to count. My brother started playing football when he was four mm. and played all the way through his senior year of high school. And then when I went to college, I would go to the football games as a social thing. Because, mm. like, I, you know, in my high school, we didn't have football. Um, but when I went to college, I went to football games as kind of a social thing because all of my friends were in the band. Oh. Yeah, so yeah. I just, like, go hang out with the band. <laughs> yeah, we. it just wasn't part of my... Like, I tried, like you said, in high school, that's where we had football to, like, do a social thing. And I was just like, this isn't fun socially for me. Yeah. Or for anything else. Like, I'll just go home and read. So, yeah, I didn't know it was a chant. Okay, so it's a football cheer that Timmy does. Yep. So it's a little joke. And yeah. I don't know what happens. That's it. Fluffy's out of the attic. Timmy's scared. Tabitha's passed out on the floor. Green shit spewing out of her mouth. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. And let's talk about why she's being punished. Because what's going down in Castleton? Yeah, we got to go to Castleton. Oh, we got to go to Castleton and finish this up. The fire in Castleton is completely out of control. Raging. And we find out from the fire chief that... There was a an enormous explosion in the nearby town of Danville. Danville. Where the entire town is on fire now. All of it. All of Danville is on is in, fire. It's like in, in trouble of being burned to the ground. They're in peril. So, yeah. So every available fire truck and all of the resources are 20 miles away trying to deal with this catastrophe. And... They have isn't Danville where they? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> isn't Danville the town that you wouldn't? You don't know this that Phineas and Ferb live in? I don't know. 
I've never like, seen that show. I think that's the town that is Phineas that and Ferb. Yeah, I think Phineas and Ferb. I think that's the town that Phineas and Ferb live in. Danville is when they said. I was like Danville. I'm pretty sure that's. I feel like there's a Danville in every town. Like every state has a Danville. A Danville. Mechanicsburg. Danville. Mechanicsburg. Yeah, I feel like those exist everywhere. I I mean I had literally never heard of Danville except in Phineas and Ferb. Oh. And I had never heard of a Mechanicsburg until we watched 90 Day. Oh. I feel like I've driven by so many Mechanicsburgs. Really? Yeah. I'm interesting. Yeah. No. Okay. Mm-mm, not me. All right. Yeah. So I don't know if Danville is the town in Phineas and Ferb. Anyway, I'm sorry I in- it's interrupted okay. you. It's okay. But I know it's near Castleton. So there's no fire trucks. There's no firemen. There's nobody available to help. And so it's just Charity and Faith knocked out inside. And Miguel, Sam, Grace, Eve, and this useless fire chief outside. And, oh my god! And that's it. He was so useless. Like you are the chief of the fire department, and he all he had on was like his little jacket. He didn't even have the hat or anything. He just yeah. had on like his little fire jacket. It wasn't even zipped up. Yeah, he's useless, he and he won't let anybody do anything. Yeah, he didn't try to do anything, he didn't try to contact anyone, and he wouldn't let anybody else do anything. Like, this is your job, man. Yeah, it was very strange. It was so weird. So we spend several minutes outside of this house, just people looking at it. Yeah. Just looking at the fire and saying, oh, I hope they got out. Oh, and yeah, and then the fire guy says, like, oh, they probably got made it out before... Right. Before the flames got out of control. It's like, but wouldn't they be standing around here somewhere? Wouldn't we see them? Yeah. yeah. This whole scene was so crazy. I was getting very frustrated. I was getting very frustrated. And I was getting very frustrated with, like, Sam not taking charge. Yeah, not doing anything. Like, Grace is, your wife is frantic. You have a teenager who keeps trying to do shit. And... This old man not letting him. And you have a doctor. Yeah. And, like, you're the chief of police of a nearby town. You have basic skills, like, being as a first responder. You have basic skills as a first responder. Why are you not doing anything? You know, I yeah. just, it was just very, very odd. Yeah. And Miguel keeps trying to go in. Yeah. And keeps stopping him. And eventually, he, he eventually does run into the house. He goes in because... We, inside the house, we see Charity and Faith on the ground. They've both been knocked out. And Charity comes to. And she starts screaming for help. And in fact, specifically, she starts screaming for Miguel. So there's a fire raging all around her. Debris is falling. I, I'm irritated at her for not leaving. Trying to help herself. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I'm irritated. Like, she's just, she just stands there and screams for Miguel. That's yeah. all she does. Yeah. It's like she doesn't even look around. And I don't know if, if... Like, find your exit. If maybe she just can't see because the smoke is supposed to be so thick that she just Mm-mm. can't see anything. But it doesn't look like that for us, you know? And also, Laura, if there was a fire in this apartment and you couldn't see, would you be still be able to get to the front door? Prob- I hope Absolutely. so. Absolutely. You 100% so. could. You know the layout of our home. Yeah. And it's not that hard to get to. Yeah. Like, you absolutely know how to... Like, even if shit's... Yes, shit's... There's debris and everything, and you might be trying to get through a perilous space, but you know the direction of the exit. Yeah. I don't think I would just stand in the middle of the living room and scream for Miguel. I know I wouldn't. 
Mignell. Mignell. Mignell, save me. <laughs> Mignell. It just, yeah. She, it, and it's a small home. It's not like they're in a mansion. Yeah, they're not the that crane. She, literally, if she just walked across the living room, she'd be at the front door. Right. It's not like she's in the crane mansion on, up on the hill. Yeah. It just, you know, I, she. I'm sure she even knows where all the windows are. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And find an exit in your home. Do I mean tr- try? Yeah. Try anything other than just standing there and screaming. Screaming for some boy, for yeah. some teenage boy to come save you. But Miguel is outside and he hears her screaming for him, so he runs in and immediately, promptly gets bonked on the head by falling debris. Immediately. Immediately. Oh. So Miguel runs in, sorry, he goes in to save Charity, and she's lying there, and she's come to, and she says, I knew you would come to save me, and that's, and he hears that, and then, and that's when the debris hits him. (laughs) Immediately knocked unconscious. Yeah. Oh, so then, Father Lonigan, let's go back to the church. Yeah. Father Lonigan has made it back to the church, and he's praying a prayer of like, thank you, Lord, for letting me like help these souls tonight and thank you for helping me and you know please save the souls this and that then the angel shows up uh-huh. and sh- she's like this night's not over <laughs> <laughs> she's like there are more more things she doesn't say this but more shit is gonna happen yeah. she says things yeah <laughs> this night isn't over more things are gonna happen <laughs> and he's like fuck <laughs> it's like I thought they I thought we did it I thought, I thought we, we did, did it, it. And so then we go back to the fire. Miguel starts to come to, but he's like kind of trapped and he's still really dazed. And so he says a little prayer and he says, please, somebody help us. We need help, you know? Yeah. And we cut to the angel who looks up to the sky. And what happens? Well, she looks up to the sky and she says, please help them. Please do something. And then it begins to fucking rain. Yes, it does. Oh, I was like, that made me so happy. I got chills on my I did too. I got chills and I like got teary-eyed because I was like, yes. Finally. Oh, he's an on-time God. (laughs) Yes, he is. You know that song? I don't know It goes, he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. Oh, (laughs) I like that one. He's an on-time God. He's an on-time God. He might not work on my time, but he he will be right on time. (laughs) Oh, the Lord sent the rain. (laughs) And I was here for it. I was so excited about it. It was amazing. It was everything. And then outside, the adults outside are all like joyous, like, and crying, like, oh, Oh, this is amazing. This is so great. They're so excited. It's like, okay, well, now the the rain's going to start getting the fires under control. Sam, go in and help. Somebody help. Yeah. I was specifically irritated with Sam. Me too. Because, like, Eve is a, is a medical doctor. She, she should stay she outside. She should stay outside and tend to them. Grace is in hysterics. The, the only other person out there is a very old man. Like, you, and again, you, you are a first responder and you are trained in this. And you've rescued your wife from, from a fire. fire. Yeah, he talks about how he, the, the fire chief says he's never seen a fire with this intensity before. And Sam says, I have. It reminds me a lot of the fire that I saved you from, Grace. Right. Like, you've been in this position. So I was getting very irritated with him. Yeah. Um, but as this is all happening, Miguel picks up Charity insides. Insides. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> Once the rain starts coming down, he's he gets like his second wind and gets up and uh, picks up Charity's insides. 
all of her guts. All of her guts. No, she... He, God damn it. He picks up Charity inside of the house, throws her over his shoulder, and starts calling out for Mrs. Standish. And yeah. I'm like, Miguel, get Charity get out. out and someone can go back in. Yeah. You can't carry both of these women out. Like, yeah. So he finally gets her outside and everyone is rejoicing. And I'm like, is anyone going to go in after Faith? It's over for Faith. It's curtains for Faith. I think it's curtains for Faith. It's over for Faith. Sorry, Faith. So that's the end of the episode, yes? Yeah. So we are going to take a little break, and we'll be right back with episode 52. Enjoy the ad. All right. Lord Jesus, there's a fire. Still. There's still a fire. (laughs) There's fire. Lord Jesus, there's still a fire. Okay, episode 52, we're back. I liked this episode. Yeah, um, st- stuff happened. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, a, it was an interesting episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got- I liked episode 51 a little bit more, but yeah, 52, this has been a good episode. We got a little information. And, yeah. Yeah. Moved I- the story along a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah, I feel like, maybe I said this, and I forgive me if I'm repeating myself and you have to cut this out, but I feel like... We're finally getting in to moving the story forward instead of just like this weird holding pattern of how do we want the story to move forward? Let's just like stretch things out as long as possible. Right. Like we're finally getting into the meat and potatoes. The meat and potatoes. We should open the restaurant in Harmony. Meat and potato Crate. 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 <laughs> crate. Meat. The potato crate. The potato crate. <laughs> it's just like French fries. <laughs> <laughs> baked potatoes. Yeah. Potatoes au gratin. Twice baked potatoes. Yeah. Mashed potatoes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tater tots. Tater tots. Oh, yeah. Loaded tater Waffle tots. Waffle fries. Yes. Every, all the all the ways you can cook potatoes. Boiled potatoes. Just a plain boiled yep, potato. You can get, those come, those come <laughs> with the, like the table. Like when they bring out, in restaurants they bring out bread. Instead of bread, we just bring out boiled potatoes. <laughs> boiled potatoes. Here's a boiled unsalted potato. <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy while you wait for the rest of your potatoes. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's hilarious. That just cracked me up. The potato crate. Oh, the potato crate. All right. So. <laughs> That's our restaurant in Harmony. So, episode 52 starts at Harmony um, Police Department, where Hank and Louise are, have like, discussing the fire that's happening in Castleton. Yeah. The house fire. And then they quickly move on to Sheridan. Like, they just kind of quickly say, like, oh, I'm very worried about... My brother and Miguel, and I, I hope they call us with some information soon, and then they move away from that topic right into talking about Sheridan. Mm-hmm. And Hank sees Sheridan's file and her mugshot on Luis's desk, and he picks it up and goes, you got a, you got a file on Sheridan like she's a common criminal? And, and Luis is like, yeah, well, she's a, she broke the law. Yeah. She's she, not above the law. She is a common criminal. Yeah. I have, the, I have the case file to prove it. Yeah, she broke the law, and so, you know, yeah, we've got a file on her. Yeah. They talk about the Lobster Shack incident, and Luis is like, well, I think there's something that she's doing her best to hide, clearly, based mm-hmm. on her reaction to this, this uh, being locked in a box thing. And Hank is like, nah, 
I think it's just she's like super claustrophobic and didn't realize how bad it was until that moment. Like you gotta let this shit go. Yeah. I think it'd be really good that you're working together at the youth center. I think you'll both be able to put some things behind you. And I think she's gonna be great with the kids. In fact, I want my niece Kay to go talk to her. Yeah, she, he wants Kay to go talk to her. And then they start to talk about, like, Kay's scheming. And Louise, Louise is like, yeah, Kay's a good girl, but she is always up to something. <laughs> and Hank's like, oh, really? Tell me about it. He's like, well, there was the whole Harmony Hunk contest. And so they talk about that. And mm-hmm. he explains that basically Kay had orchestrated this whole pageant saying that it was Grace's idea, but Louise is like, I have a sneaking suspicion that it wasn't, it was just to have the boys like trot around in their bathing suits. Yeah. And then Hank's like, not a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should do a Miss Harmony contest. Then I can meet some ladies. The local beauties. And so then they talk about like, they kind of bounce around between a few topics. They talk about their own love lives. They talk about how the kids have grown up so much in the time that Hank was gone and they talk about Hank's travels and why he was gone. Right. A little bit. Yes. And Hank just kind of talks about how he just muses. A lot of this is just Hank musing about like what his life could be. Right. And what his life is. Right. And how he does like his life, but he also wishes he kind of had the, sometimes he is envious of his brother's like white picket fence kind of life, you know. And then they joke about being in, into the same woman, if they would ever, it, who would win if they were ever into the same woman? Yeah. And they kind of go down this path just to tell us these two people are about to vie for Sheridan's attention, yeah. even though we already know that. We already know a rivalry is a brewing. Yeah, we already know. But they just kind of throw that in there. And Louise says, yeah, no, we, we've never had that problem because we've got very different taste in women. Mm-hmm. And Hank's like, yeah, you like the wholesome types, but I like my women with a little edge. <laughs> I love this one part in this conversation when Louise and Hank are talking. And Louise, basically Hank is like, I just want to live an easy life with a rich woman. Yeah. And Luis is like, how could you live with yourself knowing that your wife was paying for everything? And Hank goes, very well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Luis is like, a man's got to have some pride. And, and Hank's like, pride will get you nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I'm with Hank on this one. He, he also says, I guess you're just not as liberated as I am. And Hank's right. Like, who cares if your wife makes more money than you? Yeah. I, would, I mean, obviously, it is more socially acceptable for us as women to have like a rich man and stay home and stuff. The, the, that role reversal is so weird for other people. Mm -hmm. And while I, if I mean, but if I was rich, I wouldn't care if my husband didn't work. Like, yeah, stay home. If I was rich, I wouldn't care if my husband didn't work, but I would expect him to be a house husband and be taking care of things. You know what I mean? I wouldn't, I would be really angry if I was, like, bringing in all of the money and then also doing all of the housework. Yeah. And taking care of all of that, that side of things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, because I do believe very much that you need to have an equal partnership. And that can look different to everybody, like, mm-hmm. their own expectations. But for me, I if I'm... If I'm super wealthy, I don't, even if I'm not, which I'm not, I don't have a problem paying for things, Mm. you know? And I, and I would have a problem being with someone who did take issue with it. I feel like in this, like, Sheridan Crane heiress scenario, though, it, 
for me, if I was like in that scenario, like she doesn't work. Right. She's just rich. And yeah. and I would be like, yeah, you don't have to work and you don't really have to do anything. We have maids. Like we have people who do things around the house. Let's just hang out. What Let's go you- to the pool. Let's travel. Let's do these all these different things. What do you do with your time? I'm just saying we've been inside. I guess it's different because we're kind yeah, of we're, trapped. Yeah. You know, so there's some cabin fever going on. But, like, what do you do if you have nothing to do? I would get so bored, I think. Yeah. I mean, but you you make things to do, right? Like, you travel. You What would you do if you literally didn't have to work and the world was open, right? And you had limitless funds at your disposal. What would you do? I would definitely travel and, like, have hobbies and things. I yeah. think... You'd I, have hobbies. You'd I, have things to do. It would, You would just pursue what you love and what makes you happy. Right. And I, I, But I do think I would still work or volunteer or do something. Mm-hmm. Well, that's... Something that's productive with something my time. That, but it would be something that you want to do versus, like, I have to go to this job because right. I have to pay my bills. Right. You know what I mean? I'm you know just saying I would feel so lost without, like, a job. I feel so lost. That's capitalism, girl. That that's internalized capitalism. (laughs) We don't need jobs like to to be fulfilled. Mm. Like something to do, sure, but like a a career kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Like, I mean, I guess we're all just so different. For me, it's like if I can patch together a bunch of different things that I enjoy doing and just do those things. Like today, we're doing the podcast, and then tomorrow I might like sing some sing some songs or do something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I just do different things that I enjoy. I've been doing that and I'm so tired of it. I'm tired of packing We've everything also together. Just been, but it's also been like, yeah, you know, that's just been hand to mouth living, you know. Yeah, and that, that that's also just like things that you kind of have to do. Mm-hmm. It's not things you choose to do. It's like jobs that somebody offered to you that would work for you that you yeah. are you are capable of doing and that you are qualified to do. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're like, oh, I'm gonna go. I I absolutely want to work for this organization. Maybe right. one of them, but like most of it is like jobs that you. Yeah, you know what I that's mean. That's true. Yeah, it's not like philanthropic. It, it, I want to do this kind of thing. It yeah. it meets a need. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We've been talking about this for a while, but yeah, I just that's it's just how I feel though. about it. If I was rich, I wouldn't care if my husband didn't work. I think it just depends on the circumstances. Mm-hmm. It just depends on the circumstances. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. So they're talking at this police department. And then Louise says, like, I would look you up on the computer, but I'm afraid of what I'll find, kind of jokingly. Mm-hmm. And then Louise just gets up, maybe to go get some coffee or something. I don't know where he goes. I don't know either. He walks away. <laughs> and then Hank immediately gets <laughs> on the computer and when he opens up the computer screen, it just says FBI. It's like an FBI Google bar, like a search bar yeah. for the FBI. And it's like, this is a small town police department. Do they have access to FBI databases? Exactly my question. I, do they? I, I don't, I think, doesn't the, I feel like the FBI probably sends out, well, I guess, I guess that's how FBI does find like wanted criminals. There are so- from what I know, there are certain databases that people have access to across departments and stuff. But I also know that a lot of information up until very recently has not been broadly shared, you know, and that's a big issue. The I don't know whether police departments have access to FBI databases. If they do, I imagine they only have certain you know, a certain accessibility to certain databases, but I don't know. I'm really talking out of like 
my ass and just this is just information I have picked up from listening to the podcast that I like you know well Hank gets on that computer and, he, and the first thing that pops up is just the FBI like search for your criminal here yeah and he types in the name Jack Gallagher and then just uh, nothing comes up but a picture of him mm-hmm. like, there's no profile <laughs> no, I assume it's, it's there we just don't get to see it it's just, a, <laughs> it's just a picture of him and it's like a headshot like it's a nice like actor's headshot yeah it's not a mugshot. It's not like a a, a well, candid. It's not like a picture that somebody caught of him from a from a security camera or something yeah. like that. It's like a picture that they found on his Facebook before well, it was Facebook. He's you know in the mean? wind, you know. They don't have a mugshot because right, they, but they, they but, know he's a person of interest, but they haven't but where would they get their that hands pic- on him. But where would they get that picture of him? I don't know. Right? Cause, maybe cause remember, the woman that he had seduced had that picture of him, and that's how they got to him. You know, they mm-hmm. knew information, and so they took that off her person. It just seemed like an odd choice of a picture for an FBI database. It's, a lot of times those are pictures from, like, security cameras or it, something like that. It seemed like a perfectly reasonable picture for this soap opera to use on oh, an FBI database. Day device. I'm turning into an Australian again. Um... So, I want to take this moment to talk about, like, a little light bulb that went off in my head. Mm -hmm. Is Hank, like, Roger's American operative? I don't know. But when you said it, I was like, that could... Because remember when he showed up? He just showed up. You remember when he showed up and we were like... Hmm. <laughs> is that the Roger's arm of the Amer- the American arm of the French cartel or right. whatever? Yeah. And uh, because th- they were talking about Hank's travels, how he's been to Algiers, how he's been to what, what Singapore, else Singapore, yeah. how he's been to all these different places around the world. He's got this little profile. He showed up out of nowhere. They talked about his history. Oh, it's so strange that Sam is the chief of police because you were constantly getting arrested as a kid. You know, like yeah. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that he is definitely a criminal. He's for sure a criminal. (laughs) That's all I really know is that he's a criminal. But that's a really interesting, like, theory. Maybe. I I hope so. I have two theories that I want to talk about. I would love it. We haven't gotten gotten there for the other one yet. Okay. So, he finds himself on the FBI website. Then another cop comes over and is like, hey, what are you doing back there? And he quickly, like, clicks out of the, (laughs) the database and... Um, then Luis comes back and says, oh, he's fine. That's that's the chief's brother, blah, blah, blah. And so the officer walks away. And then Hank says to Luis, hey, my good buddy, what would you do if you found me on an FBI database? And Luis is like, I'd turn your ass in. Yeah, I'd have to turn you in. I'm a good cop after all. And Hank's like, oh, okay, good to know. <laughs> So then Hank asks Luis if there's any new news about his, his father. Because remember, his dad, Martin, has been missing for mm-hmm. years. And Luis tells him, I don't really have any updates. And Hank's like, well, I know that you think the Cranes did it. And Luis says, no, let me clarify. I don't think the Cranes did it. I think that they know what happened and have hidden the information. But my dad's disappearance is because of him and the choices that he made. Like, I don't blame the Cranes for my father's disappearance. I blame him. He just thinks they covered it up. Right. Which brings me to my second theory. Yeah, and I think we are on the same page with this. I think that Pilar prays for her missing husband, Martin, but defends him to her children because she knows that he is missing. I think that whatever he was involved in, he had to get out. And so Sheridan saw it as a child. Her family convinced her that she killed a person... 
And she didn't really kill a person. And it was Martin. I think that they disappeared Martin, Mm -hmm. convinced Sheridan that she did it, and that's why that man disappeared. I think Pilar knows that Martin has has disappeared for a reason, but knows that he's safe and didn't just walk out on the family, and I think that's why she's keeping the secret. I think so, too. That's what I thought, too, when I saw it. Um, There's today. a big cover up there. Yeah, I think I was like, I think Martin might be involved in this cover up somehow. Yeah. Antonio, yeah. though, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the older brother. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure about that. And I'm not sure if that's an avenue that they continue to pursue. I don't know. Yeah. So, but I do think there's something there. Yeah. Me too. I, me too. That's yeah. yeah. That's solid. Yeah. So then um, another police officer comes over, and he says, "Hey." Luis, there's been a break-in at the Harmony newspaper. I need you to go check it out. And Hank's like, okay, let's. I'm going to head over there. And Hank says, hey, can I ta- mind if I tag along? And Luis is like, okay, sure. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I know that civilians can do ride-alongs with police because they can, like, be in the car and go out on, like, their shift and see what a police officer does. It's a resource for people who are interested in becoming an officer but haven't, like, gone through the training and stuff. And I know that they do this, but this is very different from a ride-along. And if you do a ride-along, I don't think you can just go to – I think you have to stay in the car. Like, you can't get out of the car and, like, go – I think see what the police are doing. And I think like it's at the in o- it. I think it's at the officer's discretion. Is it? I, oh, I think okay. it's at the officer's discretion. I would imagine that's how that works. Okay. Otherwise, you're just like in the car. Yeah. You know what I mean. But it's a safety issue. I mean, I know you put yeah, on a bulletproof you, vest, but that's. I'm. I'm sure you. Again, it's. I'm sure it's at the officer's discretion. Like what kind of call has been called in? You know what yeah. I mean. So, certain things is like, yeah, come check out what I do. How we handle this situation. Yeah. But. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like you said, it makes as much sense as that. You know what I mean? As anything (laughs) else. You're right. (laughs) You are right. So anyway, Luis and Hank go off to answer this call for a break-in at the newspaper office. Yeah, so at this point, we should go to the Crane Mansion. Yes. Where you will recall that Sheridan has slept-walked. Is that how you say that? Sleepwalked? Sonambulated. <laughs> she has sleepwalked into <laughs> the mansion, into the living room, has had like that crazy dream, and it's like she did pass out on the floor and then she like came to, but is completely disoriented, is crying, is very upset. And Ethan comes in and discovers her in the living room floor. Mm-hmm. And so he gets her up and then they contain they talk about that night and she asks him what he remembers about that night cuz he he asks her like what are you doing here and she's like i don't know like <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's so disoriented she's like how did i get here yeah she doesn't know how she got there and he's asking her what's going on and so she basically tells him it's about that night the thing that happened before she was whisked away right Mm -hmm. and then she asked him what do you remember about that night and he's like not much i mean i remember there was yelling and then i came downstairs and saw you next to the coffin Mm. i don't don't know and that's like and then he was like and then the next day you were gone yeah i don't really and i didn't see you again for years i really don't know what happened and i was warned to keep my mouth shut yeah and not talk about what i did see and then he asks her to tell him what happened. And she says, well, I don't really remember much either. You know, 
I all I really know is what I was told. I have a couple little flashbacks, but that's it. Everything else has just been what people other people have told me. And she says she was whisked away to a small farm on France with her nanny the night after it happened. She saw a lot of French doctors. She's been to therapists. She's been to hypnotists. She's seen lots of professionals about this. And she just can't even discern reality anymore because she just doesn't know what happened. She doesn't believe what people are telling her. She's just confused. Well, and all the doctors, she said all the doctors tried to convince her it was all a dream. Right. That nothing happened and right. that it was all in her head. So one on the one hand, there's people or like Alice or whoever was in her dream telling her that she did it and she remembers doing it. And then... On the other hand, she has all of these doctors as a little girl saying, like, no, it's all in your head. You're crazy. You don't mm-hmm. know. You know, so poor Sheridan. She's been through quite yeah. an ordeal. Poor yeah. thing. Oh, poor kid. Yeah. Going into this backstory explains so much. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, this actress is fantastic. Mm. She's doing she's doing a really nice job, yeah. I think. I mean, I'm really impressed with her. Her name's Mackenzie something. Yeah, Mackenzie Westmore. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's great. So so Sheridan starts to cry. She's really upset. She says she's worried she'll never be able to get past this. And she's de- really devastated. And Ethan is trying to figure out a way to console her and help her. He, he you know, he's kind of at a loss. And then he has a, like, a thought. And he says, I know how I can help you. I know how we can figure out what happened that night. And he says, get dressed. Let's go. And so they leave to go somewhere. Where do they go? Well, they break into the newspaper office, uh, the Harmony Herald. Mm-hmm. And I think they're searching for clues about that night. They're hoping that they can go through notes. Um, maybe if journalists have information jotted down, they can kind of confer with what was printed and find the truth, I guess. I'm not entirely sure. It just makes doing. no sense because there has obviously been a huge cover up. Do you really think something about it was in the paper, the newspaper? Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense why they would go there. I thought when they went somewhere, I thought they were going to like a records office, a coroner's office, some record of like who died when, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I thought they were going into like Julian's private study or Alistair's study, yeah. but I could tell it was an office, so I was confused by the set. But yeah, it's a, yeah. To me, it seemed like maybe they were going somewhere to kind of match some records. But they went to a newspaper office to look at old newspapers. It's not in a new. It's not going to be in the newspaper. That's what. That's the whole point of a cover up, right? Yeah. Well, it just didn't make any sense at all. I mean, Ethan's not the brightest bulb, and of course, there at all. Extremely daft. <laughs> Extremely daft. We had to take a couple of drinks on that yesterday. <laughs> but, but so, of course, they're at this newspaper office and are skulking around in here. And Luis shows up because he's like, there was a break in at the, you know, I've been sitting here. He And he shows up with his gun drawn. Right. I, that just didn't make any sense to me either. Just, it's a newspaper office. Who, who do you think's going to be in here? Who do you think broke in? The mafia. I, I just, okay. I, I don't know. So, who breaks into a newspaper office? So anyway. And like old papers. I don't. <sighs> the whole thing was such really a mess. Bizarre. So Luis finds them and they try to hide. I don't even know why they even tried to hide. Yeah. I don't even know why they tried to hide. <laughs> because 
he find he comes in, turns on the light. There they are. <laughs> and, like they, it was so pointless. And then we find out that the cranes own the newspaper. So there's no don't no, no crime being committed here. Just like show. Why are you even trying to hide? Y'all right. own the newspaper. But and that and Luis asks a lot of good questions. He's like, why if you. You own, I know that your family owns the newspaper. However, why didn't you disable the silent alarm? Ethan's like, oh, I didn't know it was there. Why are you walking around in the dark with flashlights instead of turning the light on? Like, what? What? It, this doesn't make sense. Like, it this doesn't. doesn't add up. You're being very shifty about this, and it's your family's business, so there's no reason for you to be acting this way. Why are you here in the middle of the night mm-hmm. instead of just coming in during business hours tomorrow? You know, so Luis is on to, on to something. Ethan tries to match wits, but he can't. And he basically tells him to just buzz off. You're out of line. Yeah. And um, Luis and Hank leave because Hank was there. Yep. While Ethan is talking to Luis, Hank is talking to Sheridan. And Sheridan's like, it's been a long night, as you know. They just have like a ba- a regular ass conversation. Yeah. I don't know. It is very suspicious that they are there. Yeah. At, in the middle of the night, especially after what Sheridan has been through th- this night. Right. Right. So it is extremely sub- suspicious that she is there. If I was Hank, I'd be like, you told me I, you need to go to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I thought, I thought you were going to sleep and I thought you were going to be fine. What mm-hmm. are you doing at the newspaper office at like 2 a.m.? Right. They also, they never tell us what time it is. They're just like, at this hour. At this hour. Yeah, we don't really know. Yeah. What time of night it is. That doesn't matter because the space-time continuum is meaningless. It really is. Harmony. Time is relative. Time is, rel- <laughs> time is time relative. Time is a circle. Time is a human construct. As you know, history is cyclical. No. <laughs> so Louise and Hank leave, and Sheridan and Ethan find nothing in the newspaper, Nothing, because they, Sheridan was like, oh, that's right. I remember around this time was when our family bought the newspaper. But that's the clue. The fact that they don't find anything is the clue that leads them to realize, oh, the reason the family bought the newspaper is to cover up whatever this this was. I mean, it shouldn't have taken them going to the office and breaking in, but these two are extremely, extremely daft. daft. The thing is, again, I will reiterate, it it was never going to be in the newspaper because it's been a like twenty five year cover up. Is it? That's what a cover up is. Yeah. Sp- literally, specifically to keep it out of the information out of anybody else's hands. Well, right? I think that they were hoping to find like missing persons, like reports of of that kind of thing, not like reports of the cranes are trying to cover up a right. murder. No, right? right? Like I I get it. It's just. It's not going to be there. It's not going to be there, and your thinking is far too advanced. (laughs) It's not going to be there. For Ethan. Your thinking is too advanced for Ethan. But this is their family. (laughs) They know how they operate and how they work. You would think that they would know that that the Cranes wouldn't be so stupid as to fuck up their own cover-up. Honestly, Sheridan is Sheridan is the main piece. Yeah. And that's why they sent her the fuck away. Right. Cause she is the missing link, right? She and and that's why they fucked with her brain so much, yeah, to make her just completely confused. Okay, still going. So, I uh, yeah, whatever. So that that's it with them, right? Yep. Yeah. So we need to go to Castleton. Well, yeah, Castleton and the Bennett House. We, yeah, we got to do the the magic fire stuff. <laughs> so over at the Bennett home. 
the girls are watching the fire on TV. I had this question. Mm-hmm. They're watching this fire on the news, but we found out that Danville, the whole town, is on fire. Why? Why is the news? Why is the news covering this one house fire when the entirety of Danville is on fire? Wouldn't they be there? That is such a good question. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. The fire trucks still have not shown up. They seem to. It seems they are not going to. Yeah. But um. Yeah, they're wa- oh my god, they're watching this fire on the TV, and Kay is like weirdly excited about yeah. everything that's happening. She's she's like, look at Miguel, he's amazing. He would he would risk his own life to save someone who's a practically a stranger. He's so amazing, and she's like, I don't know. It's ugh. it was hard to watch. It was very uncomfortable, and she just got more and more like wild eyed as the scene went on and she just she gave me the creeps it was especially terrifying because juxtaposed not three feet away from her is her younger sister crying because she's worried about what her mom is going through she's worried about just discovering that she has two members of her family who are now like burning up in a fucking fire her whole family is at the site of this of this um disaster so, yeah, the juxtaposition of Simone and Jessica being really, really concerned for everybody and Kay just being, like, maniacally pleased with the situation and only talking about Miguel and his heroics, it was disturbing. It was very disturbing. Kay, you you said this, Kay is the evil version of Teresa. Mm-hmm. She is. She's delusionally dangerous. Mm-hmm. She is the evil version of Teresa. She has nothing but malice in her fucking heart. True. She's awful. Simone accuses her of wanting Charity to die so that she can be with Miguel. Mm -hmm. And Kay tries to make it better and tries to brush off Simone's worries and says, well, of course I don't want them to die. I was just stating the obvious that if Charity and Faith do die, that then Miguel's available. As if... As if that makes that better? What? I mean, that's not a palatable thing to Mm -hmm. say. He'll be free, and I can be with him if they die. Oh, girl, don't don't let that kind of shit come out of your mouth. Yeah. Like I wouldn't. Even, that's not even something I would think. But if you do think it, please keep it to yourself. At least have the sense not to say it out loud. Right? Oh, she is horrible. Yeah. And so then she and Jessica get into a fight. Yeah, because because she's saying all this horrible stuff. So Jessica yeah. starts fighting with her, and they get into like a physical altercation. They do. And while that's happening, Reese pops his head into the, the bedroom. Yeah, Reese. He pops his... I literally was like, Reese! It's Reese! He's <laughs> like, just popped his head in. He's like, oh, hey guys, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I, I knocked downstairs and nobody answered. Then I yelled and nobody heard me, so I came upstairs, just let myself in. What a turkey. <laughs> uh, Reese turkey. Harmony's favorite turkey. Ugh. So Reese comes in and he's like, guys, I'm going to head down to the hospital. I want to make sure I'm there for Miguel. And I wanted to see if you guys wanted to come with. And uh, basically everybody goes. Yep. They head down to the hospital. Um, Because over at the, in Castleton, remember Miguel has gotten Charity out of the house. And they've called for an ambulance. And they have whisked her off to the hospital. And Everyone goes to the hospital. Nobody stays to help Faith. Yeah. I was, I'm, I am dumbstruck. I can't, I, I don't have words. 
flabbergasted. Faith is still in her house being burnt alive. Yeah. I, I, okay. So they all go to the hospital. Yeah. Miguel, like, runs out of the house because he's gone in to save Charity. He brings her out. She's unconscious. EMS comes to take her. The chief, the fire chief is giving an interview. Not helping at all. Yeah. Where is Sam? Because Grace talks to Miguel. Eve is helping EMS with charity. And then it's like, and then she's like, Miguel, you need to go to the hospital too. You have to get checked Absolutely. out. So he hops in the, in the ambulance with her. Then Sam shows up, talks with Grace. Grace is all worried about her sister, Faith, which makes all of the sense in the world. And then the next scene, we're at the hospital and everybody's there. Yeah. Sam says to Grace, you should go to the hospital to be with your niece. And he's like, the fire, the fire trucks will be here any minute. I'm sure. And, then everybody just goes to the hospital instead of, I don't know. Uh, it just didn't make any sense to me. I get somebody going with Charity to the hospital. Obviously, Charity and Miguel needed to go to the hospital. And Eve, because she's a doctor. Right. But Sam and Grace, I feel like should, I feel like Sam should have gone in the house and gotten Faith. But I, w- I do understand that it's, it is a burning fucking house. Yeah. And it's falling, ad- falling down. It was only by the grace of God literally yeah. that Miguel and Charity made it out. That's true. And Sam's got his wife and kids to think about. I and I get and we're told not to go into a burning building. Yeah. We I mean we all learned stop, drop and roll. If the building's on fire, get out as quickly as you can. You cannot return in. And right. You cannot return to the building to collect anything. You yeah. know? So we all know that's true. I just I don't know. Yeah. It just seems like it didn't have to happen. Well and also in the scope of the television show because the show is so ridiculous, it's, it is reasonable to think, oh, no, Sam shouldn't run into a burning home, right? A mm-hmm. burning house. That's a reasonable thing to think, that he wouldn't go in there. But within the scope of the show, which is so unreasonable, mm-hmm. he should have run in and gotten faith. He also has a history of rescuing women. Damsels in distress. From fiery buildings. Yeah. Was he just in the house that Grace... I don't was know. ...was like, that that burned down around Grace and that's why he rescued her? Or did he go run in and save her? You know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder if they're ever going to tell that story. Oh, they have to. Oh, do Maybe they, they don't. <laughs> do they? Uh, I don't so know. So what happens at the hospital? Not much. Mm, yeah, not much. So Jessica runs up to her mom and starts talking to Grace about everything Kay runs straight past her family and to Miguel. Yeah. And is like, I'm going to be right by your side. Yeah. Ignores her family completely. Yeah. Yeah. Miguel needs to be checked out, but refuses treatment because he wants to be with charity. I don't know. The whole thing is just... Yeah. I mean, we'll see more of it. We'll see more. Next time we watch. Yeah. I'm sure. So everybody's at the hospital, basically. Oh, yeah. Sam does tell Grace that the fire is finally out. I guess he got a phone oh. call from the chief. He says the fire is finally out, but it's too dangerous to go inside the building yet. So we don't know what happened. We don't know if Faith is in there. We don't know if she escaped. So I guess we'll find that out soon. Faith is dead. Yeah. <laughs> I think she must be. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. So sad. It's unfortunate. But so that's the whole episode. Yes. Yep. Miguel goes to Charity's bedside. Kay pokes her head in to like spy and see what happens. And that's the end. Yeah. Oh, uh, there was this line. Kay says to Miguel when she sees him, she's like, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have gone in there. It's so dangerous. And he looks her dead in her fucking eyes and goes, I would gladly give my life to save charities. She's all that matters. Kay. Girl. Oh, she's all that matters. 
and, and he like walks away like shut the fuck up such yeah and simone of course you know is talking to Kay after this and is like, do you get it yet? Do you understand the problem? Like, don't you care that your cousin's life is in danger? And Kay is like, of course I care about Charity. She's my cousin, but Miguel is my whole life. So even though Miguel just stared her dead in the eyes and said, Charity's everything, and I'd give up my life for her, Kay is still convinced that she's going to end up with Miguel. This woman's crazy. Out of her mind. And not in a fun way. In In the worst way possible. Yeah. Yeah. In, like, a homicidal way. Yes. She's awful. Yeah, so that's the whole episode today. That's it. But before we go, today we've got some listener mail, don't we? Yes, we Who are we hearing from today? So today we have an email from Zach. So I'm going to read the email here. Um, It's titled, My Passion's Origin Story. I I love it. (laughs) I love the title. (laughs) Okay. When I was a kid, my grandma lived five minutes away, so I spent a lot of time at her house. She watched The Young and the Restless religiously. Inevitably, I got into it. I was only 10 when Passions debuted, and she didn't watch it much, so neither did I. But I remembered Tabitha and Timmy. Fast forward to last year. I'm still a soap fan. Her, not so much. And on a whim, I decided to start watching Passions. I got through the first 15 episodes and then lost interest. Once quarantine started in March, I knew that I was going to need to supplement my soap fix as YNR. That's Young and the Restless, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And B&B, is that... Bold and the Beautiful? Bold and Beautiful. So um, I knew I was going to need to supplement my soap fix as Young and the Restless and Bold and the Beautiful wouldn't be in production for a while. I decided to pick up Passions again, and I got hooked. Yeah, you did. (laughs) (laughs) Four months later, and I'm up to episode 207. I know that sounds like a lot, but that's two episodes a day, most days. Some days it might be a few more. Anyway... I know the previous emailer asked about favorite couples, and I have to say I'm enjoying the chemistry between Sheridan and Luis immensely. And then there's Ethan, Teresa, and Gwen. I won't spoil anything for Laura, but it gets good. Ethan and Teresa are such dum-dums, but I love them. Keep up the good work, ladies. The podcast is quite entertaining. Oh, Zach. thank you, Zach. <laughs> thank, thank you, Zach. Zach. I love Ethan and Teresa. And, not Glenn, but I love Ethan and Teresa, too. Like, that whole, that, I do love them. That's definitely your favorite right now. And yeah. I agree with Zach. I'm, I'm really enjoying the chemistry between Sheridan and Louise. Mm-hmm. I don't mind this, like, will they, won't they, they no, hate each other. because they definitely will. Because they will, and they love each other. And Zach... A, sh- a special a special shout out and thank you for not spoiling this show for me. I really appreciate it because I love all of our listeners and I know it's difficult not to spoil things because we're on episode 50 of like 2000 on a show that's like 20 years old. Yeah. So I, I understand like that there are spoilers and I don't want to get mad about it or anything. But I do appreciate you trying to protect me from spoilers. Yeah, that's so nice. <laughs> Because I do, I've, I know a few secrets that I shouldn't know, yeah. just because, you know, yeah. it happens. It's okay. Well, thank you, Zach, and to all of our other listeners, if you want to send in any more stories, we would be happy to hear from you. Yeah, send us your Passions origin story to passionspodcast at gmail.com, oh. and check out our social media. Yep, we are now on Facebook and Instagram, and we've got a brand new Fresh and shiny TikTok. Ooh. We out here. <laughs> we are out here, y'all. Actually, let me tell y'all, my TikTok has blown up. I think I said this on the last episode, but we like, were so I even, drunk, I don't remember. I even, I even have even more followers now. That's my personal TikTok, but we we have one a passions podcast TikTok. So if you are on on TikTok, which you probably like, maybe check it out. You might not like it, but you might love it, like I do. Um, we have a TikTok. 
at Passions Podcast, just like everything else. But my TikTok, my personal TikTok has blown all the way up. I have like 500 followers. Damn. I know. In two days. Yeah, I have this one video has 664,000 views. Insane. <laughs> it's crazy. So anyway, I'm basically a celebrity now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all for today, everyone. Thank you for listening. Catch you on the next one. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> you are my passion. <laughs> God damn it, Laura. <laughs>